This program is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Bad Priest, Episode 8, Lies. Did you know that it's impossible to light a trail of gasoline with a cigarette? Well, it is. The cigarette simply isn't hot enough. Did you also know that you can't electrocute someone using a car battery? Nope, just won't happen. Not enough voltage. The movies... They lie to you. They lie to you all the time. They also lie about exorcisms. Sure, the wind thing is true. The random swirling of cold air that arrives around verse 2 of the exorcism playbook. And they shall recover! But the demon doesn't just whip around, spew Latin, and then vanish. It has to go... somewhere. Now, I'm sure there's a way to send Mirzoth back to hell with his big-titted mummy, but I have no idea how to do that. And neither does Diego. We're into fake exorcisms, not real ones. Diego called out Mirzoth successfully, and now the demon has nowhere else to go but into him. As I stare through the ephemeral red sky at my partner, I try to propel myself upwards. But the damn demon birth births, I should say, as at least ten hellions have fallen from the beast's gaping cloaca, are distracting. Diego! He doesn't respond, and he doesn't see Mirzoth extending from my body and leaning towards him. I set my jaw, focus all of my attention on Diego's face, and will myself out of hell. It works. I don't know how, but it does. There's a slurping sound as my feet are released from the river of blood. And then I'm shooting upward, flying at warp speed toward my reality. In my world, my body is still arched and tensed as Mirzoth extricates himself from me. But as my soul is sucked back into my body, I immediately collapse onto the bed. I blink once, twice, and see Diego, not translucent now, but in the flesh, staring back at me with eyes the size and shape of twin Oreos. No, you fucking don't! It's difficult to explain what happens next. I look from Diego to the horned beast, and then try to reach out with my mind, try to mentally suck Mirzoth back into my body. At first I could feel him fighting against me, straining, but I refuse to give up. There is no fucking chance in hell I'm unleashing this demon on Diego. Like moments ago when I was sucked into my body, I hear a resounding slurping sound as Mirzoth relents and then joins me inside my melon. The back of my skull is pressed hard up against my mattress, and I hiss through clenched teeth. (sighs) This experience is more uncomfortable than painful. Like a giant hangnail that you keep toying with, but don't want to remove for fear of bleeding to death. Miss me already, Father Bannon? Mirzoth's voice makes me feel nauseous, but there's nothing left to puke up. And they shall recover. Okay, Diego, it's okay. He looks at me, one eyebrow raised. And they shall recover. I shake my head. 
Diego, it's fine. Please, just unbuckle me. I can see in the man's face that he's wary this is a trick of the devil. And it kinda is. Diego, it's me, Cole. Please, untie me. Still no movement, and my frustration rises. See how it feels to be hated before even getting to know you. Fucking Murzov. For such a beast of a thing, he's a little bitch. Did it... did it work, father? I stare into Diego's eyes, unsure of how to reply. Should I lie and tell him that Murzoth is gone? Or should I tell him the truth? That it almost worked, but I stopped it before the demon could possess him. Should I tell Diego that I was transported to hell? Saw a big-titted demon mommy give birth? Saw men skewered on a pitchfork outside of Satan's tower and stood in a river of blood? Nah, I don't think so. If I told him that, Diego, my only friend and thus de facto most loyal friend, would likely leave me strapped here until the men in white coats arrived. I, I don't know. I don't know, but you have to untie me. I pull against my bindings. Despite my pleading, Diego still appears on the fence. Come on, take off these fucking bindings. What are you waiting for? You want me to tell you the street I grew up on or my mother's maiden name? Just get me out of here. Diego finally comes forward, then gingerly bends down. I can tell by his posture that he's ready to smack me with the wooden cross should the demon possessing me come forth, but Mirzoth is surprisingly silent. I wonder if he's tired. Is there such a thing as exorcism blue balls? Please. Diego obliges. He reaches down and unties my right wrist. The second it's free, I reach for my other wrist. Diego, misinterpreting my action, jumps backwards and falls on his ass. I ignore him, quickly undo my wrist, and then my ankles. Diego, having since stood, looks as pale as I've ever seen him. What happened? I feel lightheaded and slump back on my mattress. Can you help me up? Diego, still hesitant, slowly walks towards me. As he slips his arm beneath my waist, I grab him by the wrist. Hey! I squeeze tightly, and the cross falls from his hand and clatters on the ground. Diego thinks this is Murzoth's doing, but it's not. It's all me. I slip Diego's wrist into one of the bindings, an ankle one, and then press my weight against his chest as I secure it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Diego. Gripped by confusion and fear, Diego doesn't fight me, and I manage to get both of his arms strapped to the bed with little effort. I don't bother with his legs. Of all the shitty things I've done, this feels the most wrong. And the expression on Diego's face, one of pure betrayal, stings me deeply. As does the fact that he doesn't even try to get up, nor does he say anything. But I have to do this. I have no other choice. This whole mess is my doing. Diego had been a good kid before he met me. A good kid with some problems, sure, but anybody who grew up in his shoes was destined to have a few issues. But I brought him into this and nearly got him arrested for the whole Amy abduction situation. No, this is the end of the road for me and Diego. As I finish securing Diego's bindings, I catch a whiff of alcohol on the man's breath. And for some reason this reaffirms my decision. Diego isn't much of a drinker. But the stress he's been under, what with having to perform an exorcism on me, must have pushed him to the drink. I'm sorry, friend. 
I really am sorry. No, no more me and Diego. From here on out is just me and my good old friend Murzoth. I don't like him. I shake my head. I get the feeling you don't care for many people, seeing as your main goal is to possess them. I'm sitting in a pew at the very back of Father McCutcheon's church. The place is practically empty, but that's not unusual for churches in general these days. Still, it's just my luck that at 11 in the morning, someone beat me to the confessional. I'll have to wait my turn to confess my sins. Really, I'm only here because I need advice on how to perform a proper exorcism. But I know Father McCutcheon well. Without a confession, there will be no advice. But now, even though the drive to Albuquerque had been mostly quiet, thank God, Mirzoth decides to speak up. A small part of me had hoped that just stepping into this place of worship would cause Mirzoth to boil and leak out of my ears or anus or any other orifice and I'd be rid of him. Alas, this is not the case. Strange how a demon who could be removed by simply chanting a few words from a holy book seemed relatively unperturbed at the prospect of sitting in a church. I don't like him. <sighs> right, so now who's the bigot, huh? You haven't seen the man, yet you have such strong opinions about him. The confessional doors are closed, both of them, and they're designed in such a way that you can only see shadowy figures within and not make out actual features. I can't see him. But I can smell him. There's something wrong with this man. He's... The doors open, and I rocket to my feet, silencing the demon inside my head. Father! He sees me, as evidenced by the hint of a frown that appears on his wrinkled lips. But rather than coming over, he addresses the woman who steps out of the confessional. She has tears in her eyes, and Father McCutcheon gently consoles the woman by putting a hand on her shoulder and uttering what I presume to be kind words. I wait patiently for the woman to leave, and then approach my old mentor. Father McCutcheon is in his mid-80s, and looks every bit his age. The man has skin the pallor of cigarette smoke, and deep wrinkles that crisscross near his eyes. His hair is but gray wisps, and he has the air of a man who was dropped off at a retirement home and left to rot. Except for his eyes. Father McCutcheon has icy blue eyes, and a stare that seems capable of penetrating solid objects. I hold out my hand to shake his, but Father McCutcheon has his hands together and covered in the sleeves of his cloak. I lower my arm. Good to see you, Father. It's been a while. And it has been. The last time I saw the man was when he gave me a character reference at my trial. He looked much younger then, even though that was only eight years ago. Cole. McCutcheon nods instead of shaking my hand. What can I do for you? I don't like this man, Father Bannon. He's not- Shut up! When Father McCutcheon recoils, I shake my head. No, no, not you. I'm sorry. We stare at each other uncomfortably for several seconds before I gesture toward the confessional. Have a moment? Another nod from the priest before he leads the way to the booth. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. My last confession was, oh, I don't know, eight years ago? This is stupid. Go ahead, my son. Well... By the time I'm done confessing, I'm exhausted, and my armpits and balls are swampy with sweat. But to tell you the truth, 
I actually do feel a little better. And after Father McCutcheon gives me my penance in the form of near-infinite Hail Marys, of which I have absolutely zero intention of doing, I quickly speak up again. Look, I know we don't see eye to eye on this whole exorcism thing, but I got myself into a little bit of a pickle, and I need some help. When there's no reply for several heartbeats, I look through the latticework that separates myself and Father McCutcheon. Father? With my luck, the old man might have had a heart attack and died. Yes, go on. Nope. Something finally goes my way for once. Is this an indication that the tides are finally turning? That I'll have good luck from here on out? Hell no. Well, you know, look, I'll just get right to the point. Shit or get off the pot, right? If I call out a demon, then what? Like, where do I, uh, put it? I cringe at the awkwardness of my own words and wait as more silence ensues. Exorcisms have not been sanctioned by I the- I know, I know, Father, please. Cole, what you're doing is dangerous. If- I gotta send the demons somewhere, right? How do I do that? Can I just send them right back to hell? In my mind, I picture the black spire where all the blood seemed to flow. <sighs> Sending them back to hell is complicated. It can be done, but your better bet is to trap the demon in an inanimate object. I didn't expect this. Either the reply, or the forthcoming nature of the maligned priest. And how do I do that? The object needs to be blessed. It can be anything, really, as long as it's blessed by a priest. And then, once the demon is fully out, and only then, you present the object. They'll fight you, sure, but if you're strong enough, they'll eventually be trapped inside of it. That really works? It works, Cole, but I don't condone this, and I don't. I'm already on my feet now, and opening the door. Thank you, Father, thanks so much. I'm smiling as I turn and hurry out of the church. Remember your Hail Mary, son. I don't turn, just raise my hand in acknowledgement. Fuck the Hail Marys. I step outside and my eyes immediately hone in on the bar across the street. The Nieces was close to Central New Mexico Correctional Facility for a reason. I never noticed this before, but there seems to be a lot of bars really close to churches as well. What does that say about them, I wonder? Our time together is numbered, Mirzoth. As soon as I have a drink or two, I'm getting you the fuck out of my head. Unfortunately, a drink or two turned into most of a bottle. And as I sit slumped on the bar, I hear Mirzoth laughing inside my head. <laughs> well, if that's the case, then I might as well have some fun while I'm still inside. What do you say, Father Bannon? I feel the demon rise up, and in my inebriated state, there is nothing I can do to prevent Mirzoth from taking over. I can only hope and pray that I don't end up coated in someone else's blood. Again. This has been Bad Priest, Episode 8, a PTL Books and Pathological Inc. production. Written, produced, mixed, and narrated by Patrick Logan. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. 
You can also visit us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bad Priest Podcast.